Mrs. Gary uh, Colville from Ho uh, Hosanna, Parirua, and uh, he's been here before, so some of you will recognise him. He's 35 years at Parirua, uh, Hosanna, and that's a, a good long stint. And so he has now um, handed that over to well, his, his wonderful gifted daughter, senior pastor now, so isn't that a blessing? And um, Gary is now doing some consultant work in the Baptist Union. So we're very blessed. He's a senior leader in our union and has a wealth of experience and a high gifting that comes to preach to us today. God bless you. Bless you. Amen. Thank you. God is a good God. God is a good God. That's better. God is a good God. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons I say that is because these guys didn't know what I was preaching on, nor did the worship team. And, um, and I'm preaching. Actually, I'm preparing you for next weekend, but I didn't know that. Because uh, I'll just get this thing going and believe it. <laughs> when you got up and shared before, Robert, I thought, what? <laughs> Next weekend, you've got a mini conference on this. Two weekends time. And, um, and the team led us this morning in beautiful um, leading, you know. Holy Spirit, guide us, speak to us again. That really was in tune with the Spirit, wasn't it? Isn't it lovely when God does those kinds of things for us? About time you guys got on board. You know? You see, I want to I talk about this because um, the whole deal of hearing the Spirit actually has to be the only... and the only and the most simple and clear message about what Scripture is all about in terms of what, how we should live the Christian life. When I first came to the Lord, I came to the Lord through the Jesus Revolution and uh, in Christchurch here. I was born in Christchurch in, uh, in Manchester Street. I, actually, I lived in Manchester Street, so I was born in Craycroft House before that. And, and uh, I was only a little tot. I don't remember any of that. But I do remember one thing. When God touched me here in Christchurch, amongst, um, I was a really shy guy amongst people like uh, uh, Murray Thompson and Marcus Arden and, and um, the guy who's overseas in America. I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, yeah, Ray Comfort and those sort of guys. No, and I was a shy little guy. I used to be the runaround servant. He used to keep the sound gear going and come up with new ideas for the Christian love shop, which we had to stop calling a Christian love shop because people were coming in wanting to buy things off us that we didn't supply. <laughs> so we changed it to the Jesus Center. <laughs> you know, that's a bit more helpful. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know that, that, that was me. Actually, I love the colour purple, and, and and I was one of the instruments with Marcus, who loved purple as well. And we painted the whole. We put we put tar paper and tar all over the walls, which is probably highly illegal. None of us knew that, and painted it purple for those of you who, who visited it years ago. That's where it came from, and then God started to take my life through the good discipleship that Murray Thompson and Marcus Arden, who was a younger Christian than me. Gave. I just didn't read the Bible once and memorize it. I read it hundreds of times and still haven't memorized much of it. <laughs> but I love Jesus. And I love what God wants to do in my life and through my life and in your life and through your life. See, that's the key thing that God calls us all to be. And if you are attending church, that's just not enough. I had a word this morning. I didn't feel to give it just during the worship. But I'm going to give it now. There's a man here this morning. You have really struggled with worship, and <clears throat> some things have happened recently that have caused you to feel some real shakiness in your relationship, and your wife doesn't know about it. 
You haven't done horrible wrong. But the stuff that's shaken your core. And God wants you to know that he has his hand on you and on your wife. He wants you to know that he is with you. He's not against you. And I believe God wants you to hear that. And that person afterwards, if you could either speak to myself or to Robert or somebody, I think it'd be really wise if you did right now. It might be helpful. Okay? I may know who that person is, but I'm not absolutely certain. Don't know your name. So if you're sitting there and you know me, it's not you. All right? You see, we need to get to a place where we recognize that the, the key to hearing the Spirit of God is a very, very clear, simple thing. 1 Samuel 3, we find a young man who's really struggling with uh, the fact that he's, as a young boy, he's been separated from his mum. He's been put in with this priest whose sons are all not in a good place. And it wasn't a healthy environment for any boy to be in You know, living in a pastor's house isn't necessarily a healthy environment, by the way. I know. You know? And by the way, I should say, after what Miriam said, I didn't appoint my daughter to be the pastor. I was as surprised as anybody was. In fact, I might have even been more surprised. They did it several several months after I'd left. And she'd been a doctor, but she'd been working half-time for the church as the executive pastor. And... They decided they liked what they saw happening through her, so that's how come she ended up there, for those of you who know Adele. And there's a story that unfolds, and I'm going to let you read the story for yourself. I'm not going to try and unpackage it this morning because I've got lots to get through. In this story, we have these words, speak for your servant hears. And they were instructions that Eli gave to this young fellow, and he ends up hearing God. And from that point on in Samuel's life, something shifted. And I think in the busyness of the crowdedness of this world, all the stuff that we think about and all the stuff we do, I don't think we very often say, Lord, speak for your servant hears. Most prayer meetings I go to, over the years, and I've been pastoring for 42 years altogether, most um, um, churches I've been to in prayer meetings, there's lots of telling God what to do and arranging things and protect us and bless the preacher and all that stuff, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But the thing that's often missing is that silence of hearing and saying, God, speak to us, we want to hear you. Speak to us, we want to hear you. And the reality is that God has called us to. Because when it, when it comes to this, it's the Spirit of God who speaks to us today. And hearing the Spirit's voice will envelop us in God's loving companionship. I didn't have an unfortunately very good relationship with my family. I'm a child that was conceived outside of wedlock. And um, in those days, that was not good. And many years later, when I was studying some anthropology in the college I was in, <clears throat> I discovered that um, one of the things that happened in society where people break the rules of society, it does have consequences. So, and they gave three examples of this. And one of the examples, in the book by a guy called Nida, and one of the examples he gave was a very European example of people um, have sex outside of marriage, and then they have a child, and they stay together as a couple. The father will obviously, not obviously, will often vicariously attack himself by attacking that child. It's a very complex little idea. When I read that, I sat there and thought, my goodness me. If I'd known this years ago, I would have known it wasn't me. It wasn't me that was at fault. And it was a terrible thing to go through. So when I came to hearing God... The whole thing of having God as a father was just such a foreign thing. I came to Lord in the Ankin Church and got, <clears throat> got support of my Ankin vicar to move in then. We were very close. And every time we used to say what people call the Lord's Prayer, it's not meant to be the Lord's Prayer, it's meant to be an example of how to pray. And, and I'd get stuck on the first two words, our Father. But when I learnt to hear the Spirit of God, 
those things shifted. Something happened in my life that I can't fully explain. And Christians right through history have understood this at points in history, but it's it's drifted and come and gone. Partly in our Western world, because of the busyness of the world, we don't really stop to hear God very much. If I asked you how much time do you spend in devotions and in that time of your devotions, how much time do you spend just sitting there listening to God and hearing his voice? I know what the answer would be, really, honestly. Some of you, I'd know, would be doing really well. Some of you, it's a rush out the door. Or when, like when I was first became a Christian, I used to try and do it late at night, and I'd wake up in the morning to find my Bible sitting on the bed, and I couldn't remember what I'd done. I must have gone, <laughs> you know? This is the way it is quite often. In the early, early church, there was a real understanding of hearing the Spirit. We can see that. If you read the book of Acts, you can see all the things that happen. In our early Baptist heritage, there's an interesting thing. Even when they had AGMs, they weren't AGMs like, old oh, Baptist AGMs. You know, when I come to the Baptist church, the AGM, and they fried poor old Jack McKessa, who was the treasurer, because he couldn't find $10 in the book. They counted and looked at it. He couldn't find it in the book. So for three quarters of an hour, they were roasting Jack. We had roast Jack for tea. And I, being an Anglican, thought, well, that's easy to fix. So I got up and I said, Look, ladies and gentlemen, we've we, spent three quarters of an hour wasting a lot more money in our time than, than $10. So here, here's $10. And Jack can put it in the account. And so when he finds it, you're going to have $10 more. So there's no, no problem. One old wizened old fellow who later, by the way, 12 years later, apologized to me. I said, oh, you wouldn't know you're only an Anglican. Because it wasn't about hearing the mind of the Spirit. See, the interesting thing is, you can go back in early Baptist um, Christian meetings. Their meetings were not called AGMs or quarterlies or anything like that. They were called meetings to hear the mind of the Spirit. That was the, the crux. Our Baptists went conservative for quite a few years, but in the early days, we were the radicals. We were the Pentecostals without all the distortions that are going on in our Western world today. We had our own distortions, <laughs> no different. We're human, you know. But to hear the mind of the Spirit was the most important thing you could ever get in a Baptist church in those days. That's the way they felt. So you're in good stead here. Amen? Oh, pitiful. Amen? All right, we're on board again. Okay, hearing the Spirit brings God's presence and holiness into our midst. See, if we look at it, hearing the mind of the Spirit is about divine presence and doing what God requires. Amen? Amen. Only partly there. Hold on. Let's go back. Amen? Amen? Second one. The Spirit is always redemptive, transformative, empowering, creative, and in line with God's purpose. Amen? Amen? Okay. Thirdly, the Spirit is never about merely rational or critical evaluation of the opinions of others. Thinking. Amen? Amen. Okay. Fifthly, fourthly, if we are hearing the Spirit, then our words become full of the character and grace of God. Amen. I just didn't need to say amen on that one. Yeah, yes, yes is good too. See, God wants us to realize that when we're hearing the Spirit, something actually changes in us. When we're not hearing the Spirit, I want to say this to you, and I've been a pastor for a long time, so nobody can fool me on this one. When people are not hearing the Spirit, they don't change. Because it's not just about hearing the Spirit to hear the Spirit to say what He wants you to tell others. It's about hearing the Spirit about what He wants to say to you first before you can even hope to be telling others. I've been in meetings, I've been in places where great decisions have been made of absolute worthless lot. Because it wasn't the Spirit of God, it was the Spirit of man. That's the way it was. And we have a lot more of that in the world than we like to think. See, one of the things about my ministry over the years, and since we, we started in Omaru as an associate pastor originally, many, many years ago, 44 years ago, <laughs> we started there, and Hector Bruce was a senior pastor, and we got an invite to the church, and, and the problem was that the 
the leaders of the church didn't know about this invite of us coming. <laughs> Awkward. And some horrible things happened up until the point where the pastor told me, you need to show them the letter of invite that I gave you. Oh, we got badly mistreated, I can tell you, very badly mistreated. And what happened, I showed them the letter, and that leadership team at that point heard the Spirit. And so they wanted to repent of what they'd been doing. You don't hear that word very often nowadays, but they wanted to repent of what they're doing. And their way of doing it was they decided from Friday night, 6 o'clock, to Monday morning, 6 o'clock, as a team, not the whole church, just them as a team, there's a number of them, would pray around the clock for our ministry. We've been there two-thirds of a year in really hard, hard yards. From the week end that they started praying, we saw, because they were hearing the Spirit, we saw between three and nine people come to the Lord every week through our personal ministry, Pauline and I did, for the rest of the year. We're only there for a one-year appointment. You see what, what happens? There's a difference that happens. It's one of those things. I often am in situations and I feel God may be saying something and I get really nervous and really scared that I'm going to blow it, I'm going to get it wrong, I'm not going to say the right thing. You know, and, and uh, you know, sometimes when God speaks to you, it takes a lot of courage to go and say some of those things to some people. Me and I have little pictures sometimes of pastor on the gibbard, you know, pastor in the pot. I always remember a, a cartoon, not long after I became a Christian, a cartoon that I saw of these two missionaries who were literally in a big copper pot. And they're tied in there and there's a fire roaring around them and, and uh, the wife turns to the husband and sees the husband over her shoulder. She says, when they invited us to lunch, I didn't think it would be quite like this. <laughs> you know? Sometimes... When you're a pastor or a leader and you've got a word to deliver from God, it feels a little bit like you've been put in the pot afterwards. But you see, God wants every one of us to have the courage of our convictions to do what the Spirit says to do. Amen? Amen. This is hard work. If I say amen in Potidura, amen! A <laughs> bit more. <laughs> Good, good one. Hey, go on, give him a hand. All right. You know, one of the things that I think we do sometimes, we have opinions. And they are not necessarily the mind of spirit. Or often are not, in my experience. You come to, 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 to meetings that you have, and people come up with these ideas, or they have this criticism or whatever. And the thing I've had to do a couple of times in meetings, because I've sensed something wasn't right with it, I've actually very carefully and very respectfully, I don't ever put people down publicly, I've said, can I ask you a really serious question? And people can't say no to you on that one very easily, can they? They could, but they don't. And uh, do you think that was from the Holy Spirit speaking or do you think that was you speaking at that point? Because... Something's not gelling for me. And maybe, you know, I know your heart's a good heart and you, you, you had some thoughts about this, but is this the Spirit of God? Or is this something you were thinking? That changes the dynamics of a meeting hugely. Two things happen. One is that person's very careful not to say dumb things again. <laughs> Two, nobody else wants to say dumb things either. So that's very helpful to a meeting, even a church service. I've had to do it in a church service. Of all days to happen, when John Tucker, our principal of our college, we've never had a principal of our college ever visit our church before. So he's in our church, and this lady who's a visitor gets up and starts saying some really dumb things. Hey, what a Lord, what do I do? So I get up and I move very carefully and slowly toward her, and I got about a meter away from her, and I just stood there, and I thought, Lord, give me wisdom. And the Lord just, just really felt God saying, just stand there. This is awkward. John Tucker said to me afterwards, that was really amazing service. I said, yeah, it was. I'm still thinking about this thing, you know. He said to me, 
the way that you guys handle things and have your open mic working and it allows people to give words. He said, I've never seen it like it before. And he said, that's more, ba- you, you, you as a church, you're more Baptist than I've ever seen any church in, the, in all my years of ministry. Because you're permission giving, but you hold people accountable. It's an important thing for us to learn, isn't it? See, if you're going to allow people to hear the mind of the Spirit and express it, there's got to be some accountability at the same time. Because otherwise you get all sorts of wally things being said. Amen? All right. Hearing is evidenced by results. Jesus himself said these words. He said the seed, the seed he's explaining um, one of his little, little um, stories. The, the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who comprehends the communication and actions it. Now, you won't have seen that translation, but that actually is a much more precise translation of the Greek. Most translations say hear. That they, uh, uh, someone who hears um, the, the, the word and, and you know, it goes along that vein. But this, this here really unpackages exactly what it's saying in the Greek. So, so we comprehend it and uh, the communication and then we action it. That, that's what hearing is about. It's not just oral hearing. It's comprehension. It's, it's getting involved in, in understanding it. Then this is the result now, before I put it up, I want to ask you a question. How much fruit has come through your life as a follower of Christ trying to hear the Spirit? Or well, if you're not hearing the Spirit, I can already tell you how much fruit. Because this passage tells us. It says, if we do that, this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. How much fruit would you like to have? How much would you like to see people's lives changed? How much joy could you experience? I tell you, I, the reason I stayed in the ministry in spite of some of the very, very hard things I faced, and I, I went through some awful stuff. I'm not going to unpackage that story just to say that. But I would never, ever give up what I went through, the hard things, because of the glorious, wonderful privilege of being able to carry what God wanted me to carry for others. You see, I would never give up the, the, all the hard times because I know how precious. I used to not like a scripture that says, uh, God turns all things to good for those who love him. And I thought, I was really grumpy about that passage. You know? But it is true. Even the worst things in my life that have been in my past and some horrible stuff have made me a different person, have made me be like Christ in a way I couldn't have been if I hadn't have been willing to accept the pill that I was swallowing at times. God wants us to understand this very clearly. So, how much fruit are you going to yield? No crop if there's no real understanding. That's what it's saying. Okay. Sorry, that was my fault. Okay, how often should we hear God? How often should we hear God? Well, this is a good question because some people say, uh, you hear God very rarely. Well, I think sometimes we hear God very rarely because we don't, we're not listening. Sometimes God doesn't speak as often as we'd like because he's sick and tired of us being too much busybodies or whatever we're not doing, right? So let's have a look. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truths. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So there's a real sense in that continuous um, um, present tense that's in that text. It's talking about the fact that the spirit, when the Spirit comes, he's saying, and when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, what? Into all truth. So you won't be in a deceived place. You won't be in a place that's out of line with, the, with God. If you are listening to the Spirit, if you're walking in the Spirit, He's the Spirit of truth. He can't do any less than that. And we can't go around claiming we've got the truth if we're not speaking the truth. This is a problem. When we start living in the flesh, we start speaking in the flesh. That's very, very damaging to the church. It's very damaging to the church. 
Ah, you know, one of those things that happens. You see, we, are, we often think we are entitled to our own opinion, not in Scripture. Numerous times in Scripture, people had an opinion, and God says, I didn't say that. Jeremiah got really sick of it, and he says, you keep saying, thus says the Lord, but it's not me, stop it. We can only say, oh, thus saith the Lord, if it is the Lord saying it. Are we agreed? Yeah. Numerous times people have had their own opinions, but were in deep trouble with God at the same time. We're in deep trouble with God. In Jeremiah 23, God is angry about the abuse of using his name wrongly. Chapter 23 of Jeremiah unpacks I would advise you to go and read it because it will sober your thinking about what you say when you want to hear the Spirit. But I'll tell you what it will do. It's not a negative, it's a real positive because if you start to do it in God's way, in God's order, one of the things that will happen, you'll have far more positive experiences in your life and you won't have to deal with any backlash from rubbish that you've spoken about in the past because there will only be good things flowing out of your lips. Be like honey to others. Amen? Some people say, well, I don't agree with the Bible on this thing. And if you think you are not like one of those people, can I tell you that in actual fact, you're probably more than you, you, you think you are. See, there's a guy, and I, I, um, for years I've been, have struggled with the doctrine. Not the only one, but one unconditional love doctrine. People say, oh, it's true. Most people have no idea who started that doctrine. He started it in the 1960s. His name is Thomas Oden. He was a liberal um, theologian who looked at the works of Carl Rogers. And Carl Rogers was a um, psychotherapist. And he used this emerging uh, psychotherapy theory, which <coughs> talked about unconditional acceptance. And out of that, Thomas Oden developed the doctrine of unconditional love. It wasn't out of the Bible. He died in 2016, and before he died, and if you really want to know about this, there's a book called A Change of Heart that he wrote before he died. He said in that book that he was not obedient to God in preaching that doctrine. It didn't come out of Scripture. He was, a, he was no longer a liberal theologian by the time he died. He'd come to a real relationship with God in a way he'd never had. But he was part of the movement, and most people go around preaching that doctrine, think they're evangelicals. Well, in actual fact, if you're preaching that doctrine, you're actually preaching liberal teaching, not evangelical teaching, not biblical teaching. Now, most people don't realize that. God's love is unfailing. God's love is everlasting. God's love has all sorts of other descriptions in Scripture. But there is a count. And one of the things Odin said in his book, A Change of Heart, he said, we ended up with a Christless a crossless Christ. We ended up with no repentance or need for redemption. And when you do that, that wipes whole sections of Scripture out. And he said a few other things, and I can't, didn't memorize them all. But, but you, you can see the problem. See, this man presented, and people thought it was the Word of God. People thought it was. Now, his intention was right, but method was wrong. Because of God speaking, you don't get out of line with Scripture. I'll give you another picture. Years ago, there was a pastor in the Wellington region who wrote a letter to all us pastors, and he had this word from the Lord for all of us. And people got really wound up about it. And I was sitting with some of the guys, and I said to them, look, don't worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. Very condemning word. Meant to be from God, and you know I'm hearing the Holy Spirit, and you guys aren't, was the, the, the tones in the letter. I said, if it doesn't come to pass, then we know it's not true, don't we? We'll only have to wait a few years for this, four or five years. God's vast eternal plan, does four or five years matter? No, it's just, you know, our whole lives only a blade of grass in the Scripture. Here today, gone tomorrow. That's what the Scripture says. 
Two years later, he wrote us another letter apologizing for being so presumptuous and not hearing the Spirit of God. Praise God he had the humility to do it. But it became very obvious because when you give a word, if you get it wrong, everybody's going to know if they wait long enough. But if they react badly, then it's not going to be good because it's just as bad to react badly to somebody. I think he was trying to hear the Spirit and he was not in a good space himself. So I think we need to understand that hearing the Spirit really is about seeing life change. So... Walking in the Spirit has hallmarks. Some of you are really awful at doing this kind of thing with the Scripture. Bible bashing, they call it. Somebody says something, oh, I got a Scripture for that. No, 90% of the time in my experience, the Scripture's out of context. And I've, when I've talked to people about this, oh, it's a word that God gave me at the time. God cannot lie. He cannot contradict himself. And if that text was never meant to mean that, it's never going to mean that. And you can't change it and claim it was God. You have to hear the Spirit. So what was the Spirit saying in that situation? And you might have given a very different answer and built them up and encouraged them and inspired them to a different life if you had been listening to the Spirit instead of doing this, oh, I've got a good memory for Scripture and I've got this passage I can fit into this situation. Passages don't fit into the situation. The Holy Spirit has to fit into the situation. And yes, Scripture will be there. Scripture is very, very important, but it's got to be in context. I used to say to our young adults who I spent many years, I always focused on the young adults in the church because they were the growing edge of the church. They say, in every text there is a context. Man, isn't he good? Give him a hand. Come on. Amen. For every text is a context. And if we take the Scripture out of context, we're not hearing the Spirit because the Spirit speaks through Scripture, but he will never take it out of context. Get it? Have you gone to sleep again? Amen. Amen. All right. Oh, I've hit the wrong button again. I do this now and again. So, walking in the Spirit has hallmarks. Some of you are really awful at doing this, I said. In Romans 12, 9 and 10, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. But be devoted to one another in love is the key Deal for the way we should live. So when we when we want to hear this, when we want to help somebody, we need to first hear the spirit, because otherwise we can't do these things well. There's a lineup with with what Scripture says with how we should live. So, seem to get some delay. So when we're learning to hear a God. We need to stop babbling so the Lord can get a word in edgewise. First thing. Secondly, it's about two-way communication, not a one-way communication. Rosalind Rinker wrote a book, Prayer, on prayer years ago. Prayer conversing with God. The word conversing was the key. See, I can't have a conversation with my brother here if I'm doing what I'm doing right now and just preach at him. It's not a conversation. That's not conversing. Now, if I said to him, you can say what you like when I'm preaching, he might. But now he knows my little thing. I might ask him, is that the Spirit of God? And then he gets a bit awkward. So he's not going to, are you? No, good. But conversing with God is the, is the key, you see. That's what God wants us to do. It's about a two-way communication. And we can't hear the Spirit if we're not going to listen. Next. So we have to listen and ask him questions. Miriam is actually very good at this. Apologize for using you as an example, but it does happen with Miriam. I've been in weird places with Miriam. I was trying to watch soccer one night in a house we were staying in during Hamna. And her and her husband's bedroom were right across the hallway from the thing. This is all this noise started emanating from their bedroom, so I got a bit embarrassed and I went to bed, turned the TV off and went to bed. Found out in the morning what really was happening. Holy Spirit falls on her and she gets the stuff and so she's vibrating in the bed and sort of, sort of semi sort of elevating in the bed and, and then Morris reached over to touch her and I think he ended up in the same state, didn't he, that night? 
I, my, my mind had gone different places, I can tell you. <laughs> I just had to get out of there. But see, when we're hearing the Spirit, the unusual will happen. Amen? When we're hearing the Spirit, the unusual will happen. And, um, and we, we see in the, in, in, the, in the way that things happen in the Scripture, hearing is about position. And hearing is about position based on this Scripture here. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. So if you're not hearing what God says, I want to ask you a question. Do you really belong to God at that moment? Are you really in a place where you could honestly stand in front of God and say, I'm in a really good space? Or are you in a place that if God turned up, you go, oh, God, you know, like the Old Testament prophets, I'm hiding, go away, God, I can't stand looking at you. I can't even be in your presence. We need to be people who are going to be able to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit all our lives if possible. Now, I think there'll be times we'll fail. Yeah, I'm pragmatic. I'm realistic. I'm just as human as you. I've failed. And I will continue to fail as a human at points. But when I struggle back into the presence of the Spirit and I say, God, I'm really sorry for the way I acted, the way I thought, the way, you know, whatever it is. You know, if one of the things that um, pastors have happen is their children end up often not walking with the Lord. Now, I made a determination when I became pastor that wasn't going to happen to me. So there's two things that never happened in the house. One is we never talked about anybody in the congregation in front of our children, ever. If they came and asked us about somebody, that, because of a reason, that was different. We could talk with them then, but we had to be really careful. Secondly, we never allowed the church to think that they were raising our children. Because they often weren't hearing the Spirit and they decided that our children should do what they wanted them to do. And we had a horrible situation happen with Johanna, our youngest daughter, once where five women said, we don't care what your father said, you will do what we say. So I went and sat down with those five women and I said, how come you think that? Because well, we members of the church were helping you raise your children. I said, did I ask you to help me raise my children? I said, no, guess not. I said, do you think that was okay for you to tell my, ch my child and the two girls that were with her that what I had said was not right in, you, in your eyes and that you, what, what you said was right? Do you think that was right? And two of the women burst into tears. I said, I never want to see that ever happen again. You know the interesting thing is? Two of the ladies out of the five end up very, very, very close friends of Pauline and I as a consequence because they heard the Spirit. And they, from that day on, our children had a lot more freedom in the Lord. Amen? Next. Understanding what the Spirit is saying is really important. You see, it requires an attitude and... It requires a, attitude... I shouldn't have the word and in there. Attitude and identity change. It really does. And I want to go through a little list right now. Well, not that little list. I want to tell you that after this... Um, message. I do have 20 copies of this, but I'll give it to your administrator person so you can receive it online. Because this is, this is powerful. You see, if we, if we really are in the right place with God, we're going to hear the Spirit better. So here we go. It's a marathon, okay? You're with me. We're in the chariot together. This is like chariot, okay? I am a child of God. I am greatly loved by God, a new person in Christ's image, saved by grace through faith, forgiven all my sin, free from condemnation, made holy and without blame. I am justified, sanctified, set apart. I am a new creation. I am spirit adopted. I am a partaker of his divine nature, healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am redeemed from the enemy. I am uh, redeemed to be blessed and filled with the spirit. I am free from all bondage. I am set free from the curse of the law. I am delivered from the power of darkness and translated into God's kingdom. I am daily overcoming the, the devil. I am given authority and empowerment to defeat the enemy. I am a part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation with a purpose. I am personally chosen. I am his elect, full of mercy, kindness, humility, and long-suffering. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. I am being transformed by the renewing of my mind. 
I am in his peace that passes all understanding. I am created for a purpose. I am empowered and required to exercise spiritual gifts. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am blessed along with persecution for giving up for Jesus' sake and the good news. I am called to suffer for him. I am required to lay hands on the sick and cast out demons and see them recover. I am made steadfast by God. I am able to live in God's favor. I am an heir because I am a child of God. I am more than a conqueror through through him who loves me. I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I am strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. I am able to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I am shielded by God's power. I am being looked after by God's angels. I am anointed by God. I am complete in him. I am able to be, do the impossible. I am entitled to eternal life, and I'm on my way to heaven. Amen. Amen. Now, every one of those has got a, some of them a bunch of scriptures beside them, and some of just one scripture beside them. Now, what I want to say, if you start to think like that, because that's what the Scripture says we are if we're in Christ, if you start to think like that, you're going to hear the Spirit much more clearly. Because if you go through that list, it deals with all the stuff that stops you hearing the Spirit. So I say to people, if you get this list and take two tablets a day, right? Take two tablets a day of those Scriptures and you, and you say, Holy Spirit, I want you to speak to me. And I really want to grab hold of the stuff that you said I am. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a little Jesus. Because Jesus walked in the Spirit, spoke in the Spirit, was led by the Spirit even into the wilderness. And that's what God wants every single one of us to hear Him. He wants us to hear the Spirit. You see, the fact of the matter is, for every one of us, that it makes a different difference in our life. We can't, at that point, claim prophetic words from God when we know what the Spirit's saying to us already. It changes the dynamics of how we live. You see, the reality is, I realize who I am in Christ, I change how I live. That's what happens. That's what really happens in our lives. See, the benefits of realizing my entitlement. Let's have a quick look at those. Just a little list here. Okay, my fleshy nature dies. Anger, discordance, frustration, all the other things, they die. My opinions are no longer important. My attitudes change for the better. I stop being critical and factious toward others. Spiritual wisdom starts to develop so that I am more open to what may, be, may need to happen. The enemy comes, becomes afraid of me, and that's awesome, eh? And then the glory of God flows through me, and lastly, the power of God bursts out to others. That's what happens. Bursts out to others. The power of God bursts out to others. You see, the fact of the matter is, what the Scripture wants us to understand is living the I am's means I can do all things through Christ who... Jesus is me. It's not about me. It's about God in me, through me, that I hear him, that I am able to, to change the world around me because that's what God's called us to. Some people say, oh, no, Gary, you, know, you, you can't really be like Jesus. Do you think Jesus was a fool? Because he said we were to be like him. He's no fool. He wants us to be really like him. The word Christian initially was meant to be an insult against those who are people of the way. People of the way of following Jesus is what early Christians were called, people of the way. And near the end of Acts, some people start calling them Christians. The Christian says, oh yeah, that's not a bad name for us. You know, they think they call us Christians because Jesus is dead, but we know he's alive. We know he's alive. And he's going to work through us. He's going to empower us. Now, I think it's kind of, in some ways, almost unfortunate that they accepted that title. Because I think we would have been better to have understood we were people of the way rather than just going by a name. We are people of the way. What's the way? All the things we just talked about. What's the way? You know, I want to finish with this. 
I often have situations where I go into places, and some of you know this, and God will speak. And I, to be honest, after, even after all these years, I'm, I'm always surprised. It's just not normal all the time. You don't, you don't normalize that kind of stuff because who am I that God would want to speak through me? Who am I that the Holy Spirit would want to work through me? I'm nothing but a worm in the light of Scripture. But he raised me up to all those things I just read out, all the I am's. But there's some of us sitting in this room here today, most of those things you don't even know about or you don't possess or you don't understand. God wants you to be people... I don't care how old you are. You know, I'm 68. I'm only young compared to some of you. I'm a chicken compared to some of you sitting in the auditorium here. You know? But I intend to be as fired up about my faith in Jesus until the day I die. And some of you older folk, can I say this to you? You've got opportunities that people who work all day don't have. Because you don't have rules around you that says you're not allowed to say things like some businesses have about your Christian faith. You can go into businesses and tell people about your, your Christian faith. I, um, I'd go into Bunnings. I'd go, in fact, the church used to joke that I had a franchise there. <laughs> often, and and um, one day a, a, a woman who, who I'd known uh, for some years, a young woman, she came to me and she said, oh, I've started at Bunnings. I said, oh, Really? That's great, having another Christian in Bunnings. And she said, did you know they've got a name for you in Bunnings? I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> what's coming next? I said, what, what do they call me? She said, they call you the bless you man, because they don't know your real name. Unfortunately, she told, told them my real name, so they all call me Gary now. But what used to happen, apparently, and I had no idea this was going on, See, you don't know, when you give blessings, I know somebody this morning with Richard Brunton's book on this, when you give blessings, you have no idea of how much it's touching people. Because she told me, and I joked with some of the staff later on, because I've got to know them pretty well. She told me what was happening. They were having fights as over who would serve me because they wanted the blessing from me. Are you blessing people? Are you blessing people? Because sometimes the God would give me a word for them. And I don't care who they are. I got taught this a great lesson in America. I went to do some training with some church consultants. And uh, Paul uh, Borden was the consultant I was with on this occasion. And we all went out for a meal as a group of us. I'd been one on one with him. But then he pulled me into a, a team experience with helping a church in a city called Grove City in America. And we went out to a meal. And there's a young lady come to serve us. And Paul says to her, this, this is how he heard the Spirit. He said, he said, oh, I just so appreciate you serving. Americans are very good at appreciation. He said, I just so appreciate what you're doing for us and serving us. Is there anything in your life that, that you have that you might like us to pray for in your life? And this is a girl, not a Christian. And um, she's standing there and she stood there. And she wasn't offended at being asked a question. And, uh, she, and then she told us something. A whole group of us, publicly exposed to her soul to us. And so Paul says, Gary's going to pray for you. <laughs> I freaked. But he was right. He was modeling the very thing that he doing the very thing that Jesus did in modeling those kinds of things. Jesus went and talked with people, and then got his disciples involved with ministering with them as well. What are you going to do this year? COVID shouldn't hold you back. Some of you have had some really good breaks where you could have taken an opportunity to change other people's lives. You got younger guys over there. You all sit in a group. Mm. <laughs> no? You know how to do it. Communicate. These things are pretty powerful, aren't they? Most of you use your thumb to type in, don't you? Am I still up to date? Do you? What do you do? I'm, I'm like that. I can't do it with them. No? What wonderful opportunities God's given us. You can say, Lord, 
I'm going to communicate with this person. Is there something that you would like me to say to them? It's non-offensive. It's really open. And I tell you what, I send texts to people all the time, and it changes people's lives. At work, you can change people's lives. Got lots more stories, but I'm going to stop there because I've probably gone too long. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. We want to hear from you. Speak to us now, Lord. Help us from this day forward to to learn to converse with you, to hear you as much as we speak with you or speak to you often. We want to be people that will converse with you. That will learn to hear you so clearly that it will not only be life changing for us but for the people around us. Whether they know you or not. But we'd ask you to give us the courage to be able to step into what you want us to be. That we might be able to declare I am all the things you've said to us that you intend us to be. Lord, heal us. Shape us. Mold us. And Lord, help us to be people who are going to shut down busyness. And we want to come against the spirits that have taken control of some of our thinking. And we want your Holy Spirit to be the source of our thinking and not our own spirit or other spirits or other people or other ideas. Fall on us, Spirit of God. And all the people said, and all the people said, yeah, God be with you. Awesome being here with you. Just, I love this church. I've always had a heart for it, and some of you know that, because I often ring John up. I still ring John, um, just, to, just to encourage them, because it's a new season. But God's got something special for you, very, very special for you. Believe it. And if you're unhappy with something that's been happening or wanting to happen, just forget about it. Ask yourself the question. When there's something that seems important, is it better to hear the Spirit? Or is it better to sort of dwell on those things? A little saying I picked up when I was a young Christian. And God's advanced eternal plans. Does this thing I'm thinking or wanting to do really matter? Actually, no. No. Not unless the Spirit's telling us to do it. God bless you.